transforming power of Christ as we move forward. We believe that he is who he said he is. He can do what he said he could do. And that this morning, he is transforming lives here in our midst. And as we reach out online, so glad to have our online family with us. But let's pray this morning just as I get into this message. We're going to continue our series, Love God, Love People. But let's pray as we get into the message today. Father, we just thank you for the wonderful time that we've already had in your presence. Lord, how can we not be filled with joy and strengthened and blessed by being in your presence in the very presence of Christ? But I ask now as I deliver the message that you put in my heart, a message to this church that you'll speak to us and that you'll prepare us, Lord, for the next good things that you have the next season. Lord, even as we return to two services, on September 11th. Lord, even as I begin the series, Return of the King, Lord, you'll speak to us then, but Lord, you'll prepare us today for that which you want to do through us. And you'll minister to us today, meeting every need that we have today. And we thank you for that. Holy Spirit, thank you that you teach us today. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. I am continuing our series, Love God, Love People, and uh, really it's just a four-week series, but what better series to be in as we're celebrating 24 years of ministry and preparing to step into year 25. Listen, if we learn to better love God and to love people better, I think Jesus will be able to accomplish everything he desires to accomplish in us as a church and individually in our lives. And so I want to get into a message today entitled, No God, No Love. And so go with me, if you will, to the text that we've used in this series. And it's actually in the Gospel of Matthew. Go with me to Matthew chapter 22. And I'm going to start reading with verse 36. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Now, football's back here in Tampa. We, we know about the acronym for the word GOAT. <laughs> We certainly believe that our quarterback lives up to that this year as he comes back. But really, Jesus here gave us what I'm going to call the GOAT commandment, the greatest commandment of all time. Love God, love people. Really, it simplifies everything. Jesus was really teaching us in this passage that the entire Bible can be wrapped up in this commandment. In other words, everything God wants us to do, everything Christ wants to accomplish in us and through us can be accomplished if we will do these things. Love God, love people. Now, while that simplifies it, we know that doesn't make it easy because sometimes y'all can just be a little difficult to love. <sighs> I heard a youth minister recently, just a powerful young man. He ministered to our youth 
Tim Summers, I believe, you remember him? He's at your youth conference where he was ministering to the leaders and Gerald and I were in there and he said as a young man, he got kicked out of his youth group three times. Finally, the third time he got kicked out, his parents were brought in and his parents were told they were not allowed to come back to church and that they didn't want their son in the youth group anymore. So the father walked away, Tim Summers' dad walked away from church and to this day only watches online when at Tim's new church where he ministers now. And uh, so when Tim later on in his life got started growing closer to the Lord, he thought, you know what, I, I, I'm, I love the church. I'm not going to be involved in the church. My dream is just to travel and teach. And then the Lord put in his heart that he was to work in the local church. And he said, oh, crap. You know why? Because then he knew he's going to have to interact with people all the time. And the truth is, every one of us, let's just admit it, give it up, every one of us have been that person that's been a little difficult to love at some time. Now, you don't want to be that person all the time. But Jesus said this is the greatest commandment of all time. Love God, love people. But while some people literally are more difficult to love than other people, we learned last time that we ministered on this. Reverend Jenny was here last week, but the week before I ministered. And we learned that really the real challenge isn't loving people. The real challenge is loving God. Mm -hmm. Because here's the truth. When we love what God loves and God loves people, Come on, when we, or let me put it this way. When we love God, we will love what God loves, and God loves people. So, so really, we, we got to put first things first. God loves people, and he's told us to love people, but the way we do that is to love him first. And we talked a little bit about what it means to love God. Now understand this, the way to fulfill the greatest commandment of all is love God first. Hmm. Now there's some things that we can learn about loving people, but really if you don't get loving God right, you can forget the second one. And so I want to talk to you about loving God again, and, and I want to take you to a passage in the epistle of John, 1 John chapter 4. But just before I read verse 8, I just want to make sure you understand the author. The author is John. He was a disciple of Jesus. And this particular disciple was known as the disciple or the apostle of love. In fact, many of you will recall that in his gospel, he also wrote the gospel of John along with 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, the epistles. But in his gospel, he refers to himself as the disciple Jesus loves. He, he had a revelation about love. But here's what he says, and let's pick up on this truth. 1st John chapter 4, verse 8. But anyone who does not love does not know God for God is love hmm. if we don't love it's because we don't know God 
So, so if we want to love and be loved, we need to know God. Really, honestly, how can we even begin to love others if we don't know God who is love? How will we know what love looks like? How will we know what it is unless we know love, unless we know God? Knowing God is essential to being loved and to loving others. And then I, I, I want to also kind of flip it around a little bit. Because not only do you know, you need to know God to know love. But you know what else John is saying here? He's saying to know God is to love God. To know God is to love God. I have a niece. Actually, it's Pastor Ken and Gail's uh, daughter. Her name is Melissa, but family, we call her Missy. And even when Missy was growing up, now she's grown. She has her own family. But even when Missy was growing up, I'd, I'd say, listen, if somebody doesn't love Missy, something's wrong with them. Because Missy is just the cutest, sweetest, just a kind heart, talented, I'm just a precious young woman, always has been, still is. And so if somebody didn't love Missy, something wrong with you. <laughs> or you don't really know her. Come on, you, you know people like that, that they're just easy to love. <laughs> now, I will admit, I understand why some of you are having a difficult time with some of these folks, me too. But Missy, you don't love Missy. If you don't love God, you don't really know him. You're having a hard time obeying his commandments, you don't know him. You don't know him. Hmm. You know, even simple little things. I obey Jeff just because I love him. He travels some, and so sometimes he's gone. And he just, for whatever reason, he has his own reasons, he does not want our dog, whom I love, to sleep in our bedroom at night. But when he's gone, I just have to say, Summer, I really would like for you to sleep in here because I like having the dog in the bedroom, on the floor, not in the bed, but on the floor. But I say, I love Jeff more than I love Summer. Come on. Even the simplest of things, love can be expressed and known. You see, really, if you don't love God, it's because you really don't know God. Because to know God is to love God. So many really don't know God. So many. It would be hard for me to believe that someone knows God if their life doesn't reflect their love for him. They got to grow in their knowledge of him. And part of what we do here as a church is we want to help you grow in the knowledge of God, grow in the knowledge of Christ. We want to introduce you to him so that then life becomes easier. Your faith, it's not like, well, I got to build my faith. No, faith just flows when you know God and you're in this personal relationship with him. 
A lot of people are acquainted with God. I have some people in my life that are acquaintance. If you ask me, do you know so-and-so? I'd say, yeah, I know them. But I don't know them like I know some of you. I don't know them like I know Jeff. They're just acquaintances. And I fear that even some who are in the family of God, some who've received Jesus as Lord, they've never developed that relationship with God. They don't really know God. They're just kind of acquainted with him. Hmm. This word that John, the author of this passage, uses there when he says, if you don't know love, you don't know God. That word know is the Greek word gnosko. Just not talking about a head knowledge, but here's what it literally means. Gnosko literally means to know experientially. To understand complete knowledge also expresses intimacy between a man and a woman. Listen, it's not a casual relationship, but it's an intimate relationship knowing God. It's often been said, and it's true. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. It's about coming to know God through the person of Jesus Christ, building a relationship with Him. It's about heart knowledge along with head knowledge. Listen, we can know all about God, but not know God. You can know all about a historical figure, about a person of influence, maybe a great statesman, a hero, but to know about them is completely different than knowing them. A lot of people talk a lot about God. In fact, now don't get your feelings hurt because I'm not talking about anybody, particularly his families, because I always consider it an honor anytime I get to come along beside, especially one of our church family and do a celebration of life for your family or someone that you know, counted an honor always. But I can't tell you, people talk so much about God at funerals. Here's what I want to ask him. You're talking a lot about him, but I just want to know the last time you talked to him. See, it's one thing to talk about God. It's another thing to talk to him. People will just say, God bless you. Have you talked to that God lately? Do you know him? I know Jeff because I talked to Jeff. In fact, sometimes Jeff wishes I didn't talk so much. <laughs> Just being true to my gender. If you don't believe in male and female, just look at a marriage. Come on, it's one thing to talk about God, but to build a relationship with God, you got to talk to God. You, you see, I'm very intentional in building my relationship with Jeff. We have date night. We put it on the calendar. We don't let other things interfere with that. It's rare that we don't do that. You know why? Because we're building a relationship, and I know him. I trust him. You know, there's that scripture that says, no greater love has anyone than this that a man laid down his life for his friends. And one of the ways that I knew that, hey, that's the man for me, 
remember when we were dating, Jeff said to me, I remember where we were. We were down at Channel Side. It's back when we had Sunday night services. Remember those good Sunday night services? And uh, we were down there, and Jeff said, Jeff has three daughters, Molly, Katie, and Aaron. They live in Minnesota. Um, they're all grown, and we have grandkids through them. Uh, but he was sitting there, and he said, you know, Jane, he said, I'd give my life. I was thinking today, I'd give my life for my three daughters. He said, but I also thought, you know, I'd give my life for Jane. But listen, I assured him. I said, Jeff, you do not have to give your life for me. Just give your wallet. <laughs> and then stay alive to keep filling the wallet. And we're good. I mean, you know, we need a little building of the relationship there. I didn't really say that. But what, the point I want to get across here is that if you know somebody, it's because you've been intentionally building a relationship with them. Depending on how much you want to know them depends on how much of a priority you make them in their life. It makes them in your life. If we're going to know God, we must make knowing Him a priority in our life. So we're still talking about the greatest commandment of all. Love God, love people. To fully love God, we need to know Him. We need to build a relationship with Him. I want to take you to a passage in Jeremiah. I want to show you how important it is to know God. Jeremiah said this, Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 says, this is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom, or the powerful boast in their power, or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth and that I delight in these things I the Lord have spoken hmm. here's what the prophet said our boasting should be in this alone that we know and understand the Lord. Wow. He said, you shouldn't be bragging, boasting about your wealth, about your accomplishments, more than, hey, it's okay now and then if, if you accomplish something to celebrate an accomplishment, even to honor others who have celebrated or who are celebrating an accomplishment in their life. But come on, comparatively speaking, you should not celebrate people and their accomplishments more than you celebrate the fact that you know the Lord. We should boast in the fact that we know God. Wow. He said, you should boast in this alone. And that word boast means it's indicative of what we place value upon, what we consider important. Can I just say this? The most important thing in our lives is knowing God. And there's been times that I've been in places 
certain situations where people were talking and they were talking about a person of influence and maybe they were just a person of influence to that group or in that group. And I sat there or I stood there and thought, I know them. I know who they're talking about. I know them. I I might not have even said anything, but just felt so good because they're just talking about them. I know them. Now, Now listen, because I know them, I have benefits. I get the benefit of that relationship, that friendship. I know God. can't tell you how many times I've stood on the beach and watched the sunset and thought, I know him. I know him. That's my father. I just wanted to tell everybody on the beach, hey, hey, you, you know, that's my daddy doing that right there. That's my savior right there. All y'all out here watching him, you act like you don't know him, but courtesy of my father. Folks, sometimes we get excited, and I'm not saying that it's wrong to honor a sports figure or somebody that's achieved something or uh, somebody that's done. I'm not saying that that's wrong, but it is wrong to value them and to celebrate them more than you celebrate God. Listen, some of you chasing after people and trying to get to know people, you know God. Could we just take a deep breath this morning and realize what a privilege it is that God allows us to know him through the person of Jesus Christ. We know God. Listen, you don't want to just know somebody that knows him. You can know him yourself. I tell this story years ago. I had a friend who was the lawyer for the Copeland Ministry. Maybe you know Kenneth Copeland Ministry is very well known. And I was a friend of the lawyer. And so, you know, every year, Brother hey, Brother Copeland has the big believers conventions in Fort Worth. And so I happened to be in Fort Worth going to the convention, and I was with the lawyer friend. And so he takes me around to the back to the VIP entrance, and we just walk in because I'm with Mike. So and everybody says, hey, Mike, hey, Mike, hey, Mike. Next day... I walked around back. Nobody said anything. Because <laughs> I, Mike wasn't there. They didn't know me. I didn't try to get in, you know. But, but listen, God won't leave you. You know God. Don't just know somebody that knows him. You can know him. Mm, the, the way somebody boasts about players, and I, I'm not saying it's wrong. Can I just say this? Above all others, we must first and foremost desire to know God. I remember the story I heard a minister tell about a father who had a 12-year-old son, and he was into the NBA, to basketball, and he had all of these 
pictures, posters in his room of NBA players, and he knew each one and what they could do, and often he and his father would talk about how, you know, what they could do once they got that ball in their hands, and it is amazing to see some sports figures and the talent that God has given them, but one day the father was walking by the room, and he just felt led of the Lord to go in and have a little chat with his 12-year-old son. So he sat down on his bed, and they start talking about, you know, how this one can dribble that ball down the court, and how when this one gets the ball in his hands, man, he can throw it. You know, I mean, just how they can, you know, do hold on to the ball and yet maneuver. Just amazing what they could do. And he said, now, son, while it's okay to enjoy their talents, even to honor them for their diligence and practice and using that talent. He said, I just want to remind you that while they can hold a basketball in their hand and do amazing things with it, the God you serve holds the earth in his hands. He calls the stars out by name. Every night, not one of them is missing. He raises nations up. He brings nations down. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He never grows weary. He never gets tired. And he loves us. Mm. Come on. We need to prize knowing God. Some of you feel like, well, my life isn't worth much. I've not accomplished this or, you know, I don't have any special skill or special talent. You know God. He's got more talent, more skill, more ability. You know God. Boast in the fact that you know who he is. You know what he can do. Wow. And when you know him, you fall in love with him. But could this be why we have such difficulty with that one commandment? It's because we really don't know him. We don't make knowing him a priority. Listen what Daniel said. Here's what Daniel said in Daniel 11:32. He said, "But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits." Wow. Then the New American Standard Bible version says, same passage, but it says, but the people who know their God will be strong and take action. Wow. Now, if you read this in context, really there was an enemy, and the enemy was deceiving people. But it says, those who know their God are going to be strong and do exploits, even in the midst of, of such a deception, even in the midst when the country is just going the wrong way, when the nation is falling apart. But they that know their God, you are strong and take action. Can we just admit, sometimes the last thing you want to do when things are up against you is take action. You don't want to move forward. You just want to sit. You're burdened. You're oppressed. Listen, when we know or when we know God, we are empowered with his strength in every circumstance of life. Knowing him makes us capable and able in difficult times. 
Think about the people who knew God, had a personal, vibrant relationship with Jesus, with the Father. In the Old Testament, Moses standing before the Red Sea, standing before Pharaoh, Abraham, Isaac. Wow. How about in the New Testament? James and John, Peter. How about Mary and Martha? Paul, all he went, they knew God. You know, think about Noah. Noah built a boat, folks. He built a boat when there had never been rain. And he was the only one. You think sometimes it's tough in our nation? Maybe we haven't been happy with the way our nation is going? Noah and his family were the only ones who believed in God. But yet he built the boat. Come on, he built the boat. Noah built the boat. And he built the boat because of one thing and one thing only. He knew God. He knew that if God said it was going to rain, even though he had never seen rain, it was going to rain. He knew that if God said, I'll take care of you, I'll take care of you. He knew God. Abraham knew God. I have often wondered what was going on in Abraham's heart when he took the promised son, the very thing that he'd believed God for. That was precious to him. And he walked up in obedience to God to sacrifice Isaac on the altar. But why could he do that? He could do that for one reason. Oh, you say he had great faith. But why did he have great faith? Because he knew God. He had a personal, vibrant, life-giving relationship with the Most High. And then now listen, because he knew God and he trusted God, then he even knew God at a greater in a greater uh, depth because then he knew God as Jehovah Jireh because God showed up, provided the ram. Think about Daniel. Daniel was willing to risk being thrown in the lion's den, and he was thrown, but he went ahead and prayed. What gave that man the courage to still kneel toward Jerusalem? pray after the law had been passed that if you do you're going to be thrown in the lion's den where'd that kind of, where does that kind of courage come from sometimes I've wondered Lord I need courage where does courage come from I'm telling you folks it comes from knowing God it comes from knowing him and we know him when we put make it a priority in our life well and if we know him the proof will be in the furnace. The three Hebrew children, why could they stand there and say, we're not bowing Nebuchadnezzar? We're not going to bow because they knew God. And they knew it was going to be okay regardless of how the story ended. God loved them. He'd take care of them. If he wanted to bring them home, he'd snatch them up, let their bodies burn. Everybody go, oh, look at that, crispy, but not us. Or he could do what he did. And that is Jesus showed up and they just enjoyed one another in the fire. Listen, when you get in the fire, everyone will see that you know God. Don't be concerned about the fire. You know God. Come on. Some of you may be feeling, I need to get to know him a little better. You can. Now listen. There's been times in my life where I shouldn't have had faith, but I just did. 
I remember when I was first leading the church and I wasn't married yet. It's just a single woman. Especially the first couple of years, they actually say, statistics say, that most ministers, or uh, uh, let me put it this way, just give you the statistic. The stats say that 80% of ministers quit in the first five years. 80%. Mm, Because it's so heavy to lead a ministry. The devil's not happy when you're running a church. And so this first couple of years leading this church, years one, two, three, four, man, I struggled. I struggled with my own insecurities. Sometimes I'd feel the weight of the church. I was a young leader in leading a church. I'd let other things. I remember driving to church sometimes as a single. We're on in McKinley in that building over there. I remember driving to church and just think, I don't want to turn left and go in there. I want to turn right. I just want to drive. I, just, I don't know that I want to carry the burden. I don't know that I, I want to go on. You know what kept me going? Because I know him. Come on. Because I know him. I knew he'd be faithful. I knew he'd help me. Sometimes I had to do it afraid. Sometimes I didn't feel like doing it. But in the end, I did it because I knew him. Listen, how many of y'all, you've stayed in there. You've just kept at it because you know God is good. You know he's going to come through. Yet didn't turn out like you thought it would. But you know God's going to make it up to you. You know he's going to come on, show himself strong on your behalf. Knowing God empowers us to keep moving forward. It gives us the strength and courage we need to overcome. We see God do great things through us when we know him. Wow. I want to take you back to love. Like I said, if you know God, you know love. And really, that's the power that we experience that gives us the courage and keeps us going in the hard places is because we just know that we know that we know that God loves us. Listen to 1 John 4, 16. It says, We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in God or all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. Mm. If we want to know God, it begins by knowing his love for us. You may be here this morning and you say, man, I don't even know how to begin to know God. Begin to know his love for you. Because God is love. Here's his love for you. 1 John 4, 9. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Let me tell you the truth that I get out of that. And I want you to hear this morning. I want you to hear this this morning. It says that God showed us how much he loved us by giving Jesus. You know what else that tells me? That tells me that God is motivated when it comes to having a relationship with you. Say, how will I ever get to know God? Oh, you just ask him because he is motivated. 
God is motivated to get into relationship with you. He was so moved that he sent his only son. Why? Because he wanted you to know him and he wanted to know you. God wants to be in relationship with you. Jesus wants a relationship with you. He wants to talk to you every day. He wants to be there for you. He wants to strengthen you. God wants to be in relationship with you more than you want to be in relationship with him. God says, if you seek me, I'll let you find me. You ever played hide and go seek with a toddler? Uh-huh. You don't hide in hard places. You hide in easy places. Why? Because you let them find you. But, but now listen, they got to seek. That they got to come find you, even though you're in an easy place. Listen, folks, you want to know God? You want to know his love? Then it all begins by saying, God, I want to know you. If you know him, God, I want to know you better. Wow. And God says, I'll let you find me, but you just got to seek. I need to wrap this up this morning. Now, now listen, here's what we learn. It says, we know how much God loves us. We put our trust in that love. Trust is the foundation of every healthy relationship. And God gave Jesus for you to wash away your sins, but also so you could trust him. So you would know how far he would go for you and just what he would do for you. When we come to know how much God loves us, we come to know God, we come to know God, we easily put our trust in him. I want to read this to you one more time. I'm going to read it out of the contemporary English version, and then I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to read 1 John 4, 8 again. Here's what it says. God is love. Anyone who doesn't love others has never known him. Hmm. What do we learn today? Know God. Know love. Love others. Amen. Did you get something out of that today? I pray that you did.